The war in Iraq is a conflict based upon lies. The Bush administration carefully and falsely associated the secular regime of Saddam Hussein with the al-Qaeda terrorists who attacked us from their haven in Afghanistan. George W. Bush misled Americans, not just with a dishonest association of Iraq with 9-11, but also by claims of imminent danger from Iraqi weapons of mass destruction. America thus rushed into an unnecessary war that continues to chew up lives and waste resources at a prodigious clip. Over 4,000 Americans have died, over 100,000 Iraqis. Our guest today has taken a proactive approach to this issue. Vincent Bugliosi is a best-selling author and former prosecutor with the L.A. District Attorney's Office. He knows something about murder, having obtained 21 convictions and 21 tries for the crime. This matter of prosecution for a capital offense drives our discussion today from Mr. Bugliosi's current book is titled The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder. Major media outlets have given little coverage to this book, but awareness of it is spreading word of mouth. We're going to do everything possible to assist that process over the next 30-plus minutes. So without further ado, I'd like to say welcome back to Radio Parallax, Vincent Bugliosi. Doug, uh, thank you for having me on the show. You were talking about they're not covering me much. Actually, there's been a total complete blackout by the national media. For the first time in my career, I've had a lot of bestsellers, three that got up to number one, and uh, this one, uh, this book, I had a very difficult time getting it published. Finally got it published. Um, the audio, we couldn't get it done in America, and finally the British Broadcasting Company did the audio on it. We're doing a um, documentary for the big screen, and the producers couldn't raise a penny in America, and uh, finally the money came in from Canada. And uh, for the first time in my career, I didn't start out in New York on the national shows, which I, I've done for all my other uh, bestsellers, traveling around the country, total blackout, liberal, moderate, and conservative, could not get on any national shows. They're just terrified of talking about prosecuting George Bush for murder. And then, of course, if he were convicted, he could be sentenced to death. There's no conspiracy out there against me. It's just that everyone, every member uh, of the mainstream media uh, uh individually agrees that they do not want to talk to me about this uh, about this subject but the book's already a national uh, a new york times national bestseller and that's because of very strong word of mouth and and folks like you doug uh who are having me on your um, your radio shows but the national media has totally blacked me out well we're happy to note that when you put an amy goodman a couple of weeks ago you reported then that a lawyer pal of yours has won a bet with ralph nader who said this book would never get out in the first place yeah, well, I don't know if he said it wouldn't get out, but he said it would never become a bestseller, <laughs> and uh, he said that the media would just uh, uh, suppress it. But it is a, a bestseller now because of folks like you and uh, and very strong word of mouth. There are people that feel that this is mo- my most powerful book. Uh, those that haven't read the book will call in on shows and saying that say that it's bizarre, that it's radical. Uh, but no one who has read this book has said that there's anything crazy about. It. In fact. It's identical to every other true crime book I've ever written. You know, Helter Skelter, Outrage, uh, and the Sea Will Tell, To Death Us Depart, Reclaiming History and the Kennedy Assassination. It's identical in that I present the evidence and the applicable law uh, to prove my case. So there's nothing uh, bizarre or radical about this book at all, but the, the sound of it, the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder, some people think that the president cannot be prosecuted for murder when he takes the nation to war, and he can't unless... He takes the nation to war under false pretenses, which I 
demonstrate very, very clearly in this book. And therefore, when he does something like that, then all of the killings of American soldiers in Iraq become unlawful killings and therefore um, murder. One interesting thing, Doug, is that although millions, and I'm sure billions, of very harsh, extremely uh, critical words have been said and written about Bush in the last seven years, very few of which, if any, he could possibly care any less about. So the words basically uh, are meaningless up to now, other than talk, no one has done anything at all to George Bush. No impeachment, uh, no investigation of him, nothing at all. He's gotten off scot-free. But uh, in my book, I put together a legal case against him that could result in his being prosecuted for first-degree murder in an American courtroom after he leaves the presidency. He's got temporary immunity right now. I set forth the legal, ar the legal architecture for the case against Bush, the overwhelming evidence of, uh, of his guilt, and the jurisdiction to prosecute him. And uh, if justice means anything in America, and if we're not going to forget about these 4,000 young American soldiers who came back from Bush's war in a box, I say we have no choice but to bring murder charges against him. And we shouldn't forget, Doug, about the over 100,000 innocent Iraqi men, women, children, and babies who have died horrible deaths because of George Bush's war. He's responsible for, uh, for their murder, too, but there's no jurisdiction to prosecute him for those murders. But the 4,000 American soldiers, uh, those murders are prosecutable here in the United States. And you point out that it isn't just a, a federal thing. A state, a state prosecutor could do so, or even a DA, a local prosecutor, could, could as well if someone died in his, in his jurisdiction. Yes. If you were to ask me the probability of Bush being prosecuted for murder, it may not be high, but there's a substantial possibility that Bush is going to end up prosecuted for murder in an American courtroom. And the main reason I say that is the great number of prosecutors I've established jurisdiction for uh, in my book. On a federal level, we're really only talking about one prosecutor, the Attorney General in Washington, D.C., operating through his uh, Department of Justice. But on a state level, I've established jurisdiction for the Attorney General in each of the 50 states plus the approximately 950 district attorneys in counties within those states to prosecute Bush for the murder of any soldier or soldiers from their state or county who died fighting Bush's war in, in Iraq. Now, with all those prosecutors out there, approximately 1,000, and with all the evidence of guilt against Bush, which I hope we'll be able to, uh, at least some of the evidence uh, we'll be able to get into uh, on this show, with all of that evidence, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that at least one prosecutor out there, and maybe many more, are going to be willing to step forward, courageous enough to say, this is America, uh, no man is above the law, the evidence of guilt is clear, so I'm going to go after uh, George Bush for murder. And in about a week or so, I'm going to be sending out uh, a copy of the book with a cover letter from me to each of the 50, uh, 50 attorney generals in America, uh, asking them to read the book, and if they agree that the evidence of Bush's guilt is clear and there's jurisdiction to proceed against him, and I'm offering my services in any way that the prosecutor sees fit, that would range all the way from uh, being a consultant to uh, uh, being appointed a special prosecutor. But this is something very serious. At this stage of my life, I don't have time for fanciful reveries. Well, I'm a doctor, not a lawyer, but I did want to clear up a few illegal matters uh, regarding this case. Uh, it's surely going to be argued that since Bush didn't set out to deliberately get anyone killed, that, that the charge is baseless. And, and you point out that uh, deliberately setting in motion a chain of events that someone knows will cause a third party to act makes that person criminally responsible for that act. In this case, that'd be Iraqi's killing of Americans. I was talking to Cindy Sheehan. She called me Sunday. And without going to law school, in just common sense, these are her exact words. She, she's reading the book, but
but she hasn't gotten to the section of uh, the prosecution of George W. Bush uh, for murder where I talk about the innocent agent doctrine. But these are her words. These are almost her exact words. Uh, I don't have it right in front of me here, but I, I can tell you what they were. She said, the Iraqi insurgents did not kill my son. George Bush did. They were merely repelling an invader, which they had every right to do. So what she was uh, enunciating without her, her knowing it was the innocent agent doctrine, which you just said, that uh, if someone deliberately sets in motion a chain of events, which they know will cause, that's the key word, cause a third party to commit an act, then the defendant is criminally responsible for that act. When Bush invaded Iraq, he absolutely knew, unless he wants to make the silly argument that he was planning to have a war without casualties, he knew that the Iraqi people would fight back and therefore American soldiers uh, would die. And therefore he's responsible uh, for those deaths. The only way he can avoid responsibility would be to show that he killed or, or, or he invaded Iraq in self-defense. But if the prosecutor can show he did not invade in self-defense, but instead invaded under false pretenses, then all the killings in Iraq of American soldiers become unlawful killings and therefore murder. So in my book, I have a whole section on the, um, the lies that George Bush perpetrated on the American people, deceiving them into going to war, and if we have time, we can get into some of them. Yeah, I think we should uh, delve into a little bit of this. Uh, you, you spent a lot of time noting that a war, uh, quote, with reckless and wanton disregard for the consequences and indifference to human life, unquote, would not be criminal because then Bush would be, would be acting, in effect, defensively to preempt an attack that he was claiming was imminent. And, and of course, we heard the same thing, as you mentioned in the book, from Vice President Cheney, Secretary of State Powell, National Security Advisor, then uh, Condoleezza Rice. It was alleged that an Iraqi attack could come imminently. So um, uh, you point out uh, that was a lie, and why don't you talk about uh, why, why you're certain of that? Well, let, 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 let's talk about some of the evidence. In, in Bush's first speech to the nation uh, on Hussein in Iraq, it was October 7, 2002, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. He told the nation that Saddam Hussein was a, quote, great danger, unquote, to America, either by his attacking us with weapons of mass destruction or by giving those weapons to a terrorist group to attack us. And he said this attack could happen, quote, on any given day, unquote, meaning that the threat was imminent. The big problem for George Bush is that on October the 1st, 2002, just six days earlier, the CIA sent Bush its 2002 National Intelligence Estimate. That's a top-secret, classified report representing the consensus opinion of all 16 U.S. intelligence agencies on the issue of whether or not Hussein was an imminent threat. And on page 8 of that 91-page report, it clearly and unequivocally says, and, and by the way, Doug, what I'm about to tell you, to my knowledge, has never appeared in any major newspaper or magazine in America. Page 8 clearly says that Hussein was not an imminent threat to the security of this country, that he would only be a threat if he feared that America was about to attack him. In other words, he'd only be a threat if he were forced to fight in self-defense. So we know then, not, not think, but know, that when George Bush told the nation on the evening of October the 7th, 2002, that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, he was telling millions of unsuspecting Americans the exact opposite of what his own CIA was telling him. And it gets worse than that. October 4th, that's three days after the October 1st classified report, 
Bush and his people uh, had the CIA issue an unclassified summary version of the October 1st, that's three days earlier, the October 1st classified report, so they could issue this unclassified version to Congress and the American people. Uh, this October 4th report, unclassified version, came to be known as the White Paper. And in this White Paper, the conclusion of U.S. intelligence that Hussein was not an imminent threat to the security of this country, this is the report that went out to Congress and the American people, that conclusion was completely deleted from the White Paper. Every single one of these all-important words were taken out. So the question is, uh, how evil, how perverse, how sick, how criminal can George Bush and his people be? And yet, up to now, unbelievably, there's no other word for it, they've gotten away uh, with all of this. So Congress, along with the American people, were uh, deceived. And I have something fairly important to tell you. Last uh, Monday, which would be June 16th, I'm here in my office, and I get a phone call from a very conservative Southern Republican congressman who voted for the war, uh, one of the most vocal supporters for the war. He listened to my book on tape, and he called me. He said, Mr. Bugliosi, I just wanted to tell you that I'm now convinced that George Bush misled deliberately Congress uh, into war. He said, uh, I've listened to the whole book on tape. I bought several copies of the book and given them to members of Congress and told them to read the book we were lied to, and he plans to get back to me uh, probably early uh, next month. He'd like to have a conference call with me and him and several other people on where do we go uh, from here. But this is a conservative Republican congressman from the South. Yesterday I spoke to Congressman uh, Conyers. He's the chairman of the House uh, Judiciary Committee. He called me, and uh, he's totally in support of my book. Now, I can mention Conyers' name because he's a Democrat. This other congressman, who certainly uh, has a conscience, I'm going to have to get clearance from him because he'll be running for uh, re-election. This could be very, very harmful to his re-election effort. But I'm telling you that that behind the scenes, he uh, he's on my, uh, my side now. I don't know when he wants to publicly uh, say it, but he called me last uh, last Monday. But he's a congressman with a conscience, and I think you'd be shocked if you knew his name. Very, very conservative uh, Republican congressman. For instance, the October report, where I just said that... Uh, the conclusion of U.S. intelligence that uh, Hussein was not an imminent threat, uh, he didn't see that. He didn't see that. Hmm. Because that was in the October 1st classified report. But in the one that he saw, October 4th, that conclusion was completely deleted. Uh, there, there, there's much other yeah. evidence. Let, let, me, let me give you another piece, because I think it's, it's important, because these are words now coming from George Bush's own mouth irrefutable evidence against him. January 31st, 2003, less than two months before Bush ordered the invasion of Iraq. Bush and British Prime Minister Tony Blair met for two hours in the Oval Office with six of their top aides, one of whom was uh, Blair's chief foreign policy advisor, David Manning. We're not talking about the Downing Street memo now. That's a very famous memo, but to me it's ambiguous and not that strong. This is the Manning memo, which is much, much more uh, uh, powerful. Yes. Manning, after the meeting, prepared a five-page memo stamped, quote, extremely sensitive, unquote, summarizing what was said at the meeting. And he said that Bush and Blair expressed their doubts that any weapons of mass destruction would ever be found in Iraq before any invasion of Iraq. But here's where the extremely damaging information or evidence comes in. He said Bush, not Blair, he said Bush was so 
worried about the failure of U.N. inspectors to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, that Bush talked about three possible ways, Manning said, to, quote, provoke a confrontation, unquote, with Hussein, one of which, Bush said, was to, quote, fly U-2 reconnaissance aircraft over Iraq, falsely painted in United Nations colors, and Bush said, if Hussein fires upon them, this will be a violation of U.N. resolutions, and this will justify our going to war. So here we have George Bush telling the American people, telling the world, that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country. But behind closed doors, this very small man was talking about how to provoke Hussein into a war. Now, Doug, the last person in the world whom someone acting in self-defense would try to provoke is the person he's in deathly fear of, the person who's about to kill him. If George Bush honestly and sincerely, as he told the world, believed that Hussein was an imminent threat to the security of this country, the thought of provoking Hussein into a war obviously would never, ever, ever have entered his mind. I was on Dennis Miller's show about a week ago. Dennis fell hopelessly in love with the Republican Party after <laughs> uh, after 9-11, and uh, I talk about Dennis's uh, silliness in my book. Anyway, I said, Dennis, let's assume that you're defending George Bush. You're his defense attorney. And I call Manning to the witness stand, and he testifies to what your client said on January the 31st, 2003, and incorporated into the Manning memo. I said, Dennis, other than trying to hide beneath the console table, what would your response be to Manning's testimony? And Dennis is very sharp, very bright. He said, I'd, I'd ask for a recess. <laughs> <laughs> well, no matter how long that recess would be, whether it was an hour, a day, a week, a month, or a year, it wouldn't make any difference because there is no answer to the Manning memo except uh, guilt. Yeah, and I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought this out in the book because I had, I thought I followed this case pretty well, but I didn't hear about the Manning memo, and you've got another, a few other quotes in there I want to get to that are pretty, pretty hair-raising. Right, right. The book is The Prosecution of George W. Bush for Murder, and we're speaking with its author, former prosecutor Vincent Bugliosi. We uh, need to take a short break. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll be back in a minute. 